Now, we know that our theme for 2022 is fearless, creating a courage culture. And I think that's such a prophetic theme for where we are in history right now. What does it mean to be fearless? Well, Mitch mentioned my lovely wife and my four boys. If you haven't met us yet, it probably is just because the pandemic has been so disruptive and, you know, people come and go over the last couple of years. But my oldest two are over there. They're good boys, kind-hearted, compliant, obedient. So Lauren and I, after having Elijah and Emmanuel, we really thought we were doing well. We thought we were good parents. We looked around at other people who perhaps had some challenges with their kids and we thought, surely they must be doing something wrong because we've got it right with these two. So we were congratulating ourselves and our parenting prowess and then along came Reuben, number three. Still kind-hearted but cheeky, right? Really loves to push the boundaries. Strong-willed and his favourite pastime is finding whatever button he can push to annoy his brothers until they crack and then hit him and then he comes running to us saying, one of my brothers just hit me. So he certainly turned our house upside down. Now we always called him our fearless son because he'll try anything. He'll just have a go. What that probably means is just that he hasn't really thought about the possible consequences, weighed up all the options and then made the wisest possible decision going forward. He just pushes forward anyway. That kind of fearlessness, or you might call it recklessness, <laughs> isn't what we're talking about here. Instead, our theme of fearless is about courage, which is strength in the face of fear or pain or opposition. And I reckon if there's a point in history where courage is needed, then it's right now. There was a 2021 survey that suggested that 58% of millennials, I'm, I'm not a millennial, have become more fearful. Another poll suggests 54% of Americans are more fearful about what 2022 will bring than 2021. Now, on one hand, you can probably guess why, right? The pandemic, we had fires, we've had floods, uh, we've had uh, now the war. So there are real events happening around the world which can contribute to a rise in fear. But I also think there's things going on behind the scenes, some of them invisible that we might not even be aware of, that are also contributing to this culture of fear. And I'll talk about a couple of those tonight. So I grew up in the 80s and 90s in a Christian home. I, had, I was really blessed, wonderful parents. They, they discipled me and mentored me well. And my family, my mum in particular, really valued determination and this kind of stoic attitude. If you don't know what a stoic attitude is, it just means no matter what happens, just keep going. You, know, you can't be beaten by these circumstances. Keep going, find a way through, keep moving forward. That's a sort of stoic attitude. If you've heard things like life goes on, that's life. Keep keeping on. These are sort of comments that talk about that sort of sentiment. I had a quote on my wall for years. It's from the book, a book called David Copperfield by Charles Dickens. Now, Pastor Jack, I'm definitely not preaching from Dickens tonight, but I will use this one quote because this attitude encapsulated in this quote sort of played a really formative role in my life. Basically, David Copperfield's great aunt Betsy, who's a, a sort of a, a country gentlewoman, just lost all of her money to a crooked financial advisor and she has to move from her beautiful house in the country to this tiny run-down apartment in the city and live with David and, and other members of their family. So four or five people in this tiny apartment. And you might expect from her fear or trepidation or anxiety, but in this sort of stiff upper lip British way, this is what she says. It might come up on the screen, but this was on my wall. We must meet reverses boldly and not suffer them to frighten us, my dear. We must learn to act the play out 
we must live misfortune down. Love that quote. We must live misfortune down. Just keep going. Now, I reckon it's nearly impossible to have that kind of attitude without some sort of faith or some sort of confidence in something bigger than yourself. Here's the biblical equivalent in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. No, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. I was thinking about Pastor Jack's message this morning about the hills that we die on. I had this picture when you're standing on one of those hills surrounded by enemies. This is the sort of mantra that you want in your mind. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We can say all of these things because we have confidence that God is working beyond what we can see or beyond what we might know is happening or be able to recognize at any point in human history. As Christians, God is in control can be our response in every situation. God is in control. I think in the last few decades, though, shifts in society and culture have changed the way that a lot of us view our place in in human history, in the great story of history. For many years, and this is not my postulating, this is, this is well documented, we were really a Christian nation. Not in the sense that everyone went to church every week, but the sense that most people believed in some sort of higher power, a God, someone working behind the scenes, something, someone directing history in a way that we were participating with them in that. But what we've got now is historians, social commentators, other writers now say that as a society, we've basically lost our sense of a grand narrative guiding human history, our sense of something going beyond ourselves, our sense that we are part of a bigger story, something happening. And since we've lost that sense of purpose as a nation, is it any wonder that we've seen an increase in fear? If anything, the tendency now is to catastrophize what's going on. I mean, some things are genuine catastrophes, no doubt about that, but not every event fits into that category. But the reason for this is that without confidence in a God who is greater than we are, we've got no anchor. We've got no ground for any confidence beyond ourselves. Everything can seem like the end of the world when you don't have faith in the creator of the world and the Holy Spirit that still sustains the world. That might describe our society, but it doesn't describe us as Christians. You know, this is our moment to be the voice of courage when we can say God is still in control. The other thing that happens when we have no anchor, when we have no reference point beyond ourselves, tell me if if this sounds familiar to you, is that people's feelings and opinions become the most important thing because that's the only way they have to understand the world. Can anyone see that happening around us at the moment? The standard then becomes my truth. The goal becomes to be my authentic self. And the standard against which that authenticity is measured is how I'm thinking or feeling at any particular point in time. If I have no God, no no external standard, no objective against which I can be measured, then I become the reference point for my own life. And am I being true to myself becomes the most important question to answer. But that's not a basis for courage. Just looking to yourself is not a basis for courage. If anything, that's a basis for confusion. 
And the result is that so many people have now such strong opinions about what's going on in the world at the moment. And the people with those opinions, which by the way, of course, they feel compelled to share, are so, so confident that they're right. And if you disagree with them, then clearly you must be an evil person. What's really going on there is because their authenticity is measured by what they think and feel, if you challenge those thoughts or those feelings, you're not just disagreeing with them, you're challenging their very identity. And so you get such a strong reaction because their reference point is only themselves. I say them, hey, I'm sure I've been there, we've all been there, right? So if you put all these things together, diminishing belief in God, no sense of a grand purpose or design in human history, the loss of an, of an anchor or a firm foundation, and everyone absolutely convinced that what they think and feel is reality, I think that's why fear is increasing and why I say that this is the moment in history where courage, courage becomes so important. Now, that's a long, long introduction for me to be able to say this. I believe that we as Christians can be a powerful voice of courage in the midst of fear. And I'm going to speak tonight about courage in Christ. Courage in Christ. I'm going to read some passages from the book of Colossians. In writing Colossians, Paul was writing to a church that was being influenced by false teaching, by people with opinions who were basically causing the believers in that church to doubt themselves, to doubt, to fear and to to lose confidence in the faith in which they had first believed. So he was writing against those strong opinions. I think there's a message in here for us about courage in Christ. So Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 to 10. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. So what was Paul saying to the Colossians? Ignore all the strong opinions, those empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense, anything that doesn't come from Christ. Instead, you're complete in Christ, who is the fullness of God in a human body, so follow him, be built on him, have faith in him. Colossians 3, 1-2 says, Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honour at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. And I think it's that shift of focus, the shift of focus from earth to heaven, from ourselves to Christ, from my opinion to an overflow of thankfulness, from fear to faith, that sounds to me like a recipe for courage in Christ. Just the type of courage that our world needs at the moment. So what does all of this say for us today? Number one, don't rely on other sources for your courage. You won't find it there. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. And I think there's a lot of those empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense floating around in society and in the media at the moment. Don't let that capture you. Don't let that cause you to fear. Now, that can be a challenge. It seems like there's so many good reasons to fear, but don't let these empty philosophies, 
high-sounding nonsense be something that causes you to fear. Don't look to those sources for your courage. That is not where your courage comes from. And as a side point, don't be one of those people that spreads empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Someone that believes so strongly in your personal opinions that you'd be willing to let a relationship or lose a friend or lose a relationship over those opinions. I'm sure that's me some of the time, probably this week. But that doesn't build a courage culture. You know, between my uh, Bachelor of Ministry, then an Honours, then a PhD, I probably spent 10 years effectively intentionally studying theology. But occasionally I've seen the pride that the pride that can result from when people believe that they have just a little bit too much knowledge. You start to feel like you're a little bit more knowledgeable than the person next to you. You start to like sharing your opinion or being a bit controversial. Let's all get together and drink whiskey and smoke cigars and, and think deep thoughts together. I have been there. But that's the beginning of a path that leads nowhere. If your confidence is in your own understanding... I can tell you from watching this countless times, the next step after that pride is doubt about God and what you believe. And if that's not checked by a good friend or by the community that you're part of, then you end up uh, disillusioned, deconstructed and in the middle of nowhere. So, hey, I work at a place of higher education, so I believe in the transformative power of education, believe me. But the first lesson you should learn, and I had a a wonderful um, elderly man who did my very first theology class. He walked into the room and said, the very first thing you should know is the more you know about God, the more you realize how much you don't know. And that changes your outlook entirely. You realize, hey, I could be wrong. Society could be wrong. The latest ideology or worldview trend could be wrong. So you decide to be a little bit more careful about sharing those opinions and hold them a bit more loosely just in case they are that, those uh, empty philosophies or high-sounding nonsense. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So if what you're speaking or what you're sharing puffs you up instead of building others up, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> You're doing this Christian life wrong if that's the outcome of what you're sharing. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So don't rely on other sources, even yourself, for any sense of courage because you will not find it there. Instead, instead, point number two, look to Christ. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Be strong in the truth you were taught. then we have a basis for courage that goes way beyond ourselves. We have a basis for that strength in the face of fear or opposition if we look to Christ. Why is Christ the absolute best foundation we can find our courage? Well, Paul tells us in the chapter just before this, in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses here. Stick with me. Verses 15 to 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see, the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. He's the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. He is the first in everything. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Hey, what a basis for my courage and my confidence. (laughs) I can have courage and I can have confidence, not in myself, not in my own understanding, not in my own knowledge, but in that Christ. That's a Christ that I can believe in. So don't rely on other sources for your, for your courage. Instead, look to Christ. And number three, follow Christ. And I take that as being a voice of courage instead of fear. Now, to be a voice of courage instead of fear at the moment, that's actually countercultural right now. But Christianity should be countercultural, right? We're not ruled by the culture that we're a part of. We're a voice in spite of that culture. So don't be someone who speaks fear who takes delight in letting other people know where they might be wrong, or someone who has a little too much confidence in their own thinking. But be like Romans 12, chapter 3. Don't think you are better than you really are. Gee, I need to read that every day. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Let's live like Paul tells the Colossians to live then in chapter 3. So we have the, the mess, who is Christ in chapter 1. We have don't, don't think about high-sounding uh, empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. Base your faith in Christ. And when you do that, here's how you should live. In chapter 3, verses 12 to 15, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close your th- clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Even Reuben's faults, boys, remember that. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Hey, mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, harmony. I think these are countercultural actions at the moment. But they can be the actions of someone who has courage in Christ and is a voice of courage rather than someone who lives according to the narrative that they receive from the world. I love that, that bit in that last verse, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. You know, courage can be the opposite of fear, but so is peace. Peace is also the opposite of fear. And just like our courage, our peace doesn't come from ourself. Where does it come from? It comes from Christ, right? There really is no better antidote to fear or no better basis for courage than Jesus Christ and the life he calls us to. Fearless, creating a courage culture. So how can we create and live a culture that's fearless and full of courage? Don't rely on yourself or other sources for courage. You won't find it there. Instead, look to Christ. Build your confidence, your courage, your faith in Christ. Then follow Christ and be a counter-cultural voice of courage in your world. Now, I started off by talking about the desperate need our world has for voices of courage in the midst of the the fear, the barrage of fear, the barrage of reasons to fear that we find ourselves in. But you can be that voice, not 
in your own strength, but because you are based in Christ because of your faith in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that we all need to run out and find a a soapbox or a platform and start preaching in the loudest voice that we have. Of course not. It's the daily conversations that we're a part of. Are those conversations courage conversations? Are they conversations where the other person comes away built up because you've spoken courage in the face of fear, because you've spoken Christ, the gospel in that moment? Or are they conversations in which I'm looking at how I can look intelligent or puffed up and then that person comes away feeling fearful because of what we've talked about? Those are the moments where we can make a difference. Those are the moments where we can create a courage culture. We can all find our own courage in Christ and then let that courage permeate our lives and the lives of the, of the circle that we're a part of. I'm going to ask the music team to come back up. I'm going to pray for you in a minute, but let's create some space for the Holy Spirit. Why don't you stand with me? I don't know if I can request this, but um, Jonah, that song that we did... Um, uh, people come together, you know, it talks about, you know, take courage, hold on, be strong, remember where your help comes from. That's a good declaration for tonight, I think. Thanks, mate, you're a legend. Uh, you know, I was in a meeting the other day where, just just within the last two weeks actually, where the person who was speaking asked people to raise their hands if they were struggling with fear, if fear was something that was limiting what they were achieving or what they were doing with their lives. Now, I may, have, I may have snuck a look out of the corner of my eye. We've all done that, but not tonight, of course, not tonight. Not to see who raised their hand, but just to get a sense of what the response was like. And probably as I expected, there were, there were a lot of people that said, yeah, fear is something that's a challenge for me at the moment. Perhaps I don't have the courage that I want to have. I don't have the courage that comes from Christ. I'm struggling with fear. And as I said at the start, in the face of that barrage of messages of fear, that would be perfectly understandable at this moment. If anything, what I'm, what I'm saying tonight is let's all, myself included, shift our focus. Shift our focus from ourselves, from having courage, that, or from trying to find the source of our courage within ourselves to finding the source of our courage in Jesus Christ. Close your eyes and let's just open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. I'll pray for you. If, the, if you are feeling like, for whatever reason, fear has been a challenge for you, you'd like to be fearless and courageous based on your faith in Christ. And this prayer is for you. This is the moment just to say, Lord, I want to turn my focus back on you. I want my courage to be based on you, on Jesus Christ, who is first and over everything. This is your moment just to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to come and fill you with that courage, divine courage, divine fearlessness, so that whatever happens, whatever circumstances come your way, whatever you're faced with, you have strength in the face of fear or opposition. You have the strength to keep going. Lord, I thank you for the gift that Jesus Christ, your son, was to us. I thank you that you've sent your Holy Spirit. I thank you that that you and they can be the source of our courage, Lord. I pray for all of us tonight 
Lord, help us to return our focus to You. Help us not to look to ourselves for our courage, but help us to look to Your Son, Jesus Christ, as the basis for our courage and our confidence. Help us then to follow You by being voices of courage in whatever conversations, whatever situations we find ourselves in. Speak positivity, speak faith. Lord, fill our hearts again so that we have that confidence, that courage, that fearlessness that can only come from you.